This is the Average Guy Network, and you have found financial tech and the Guide Rock Capital Management Weekly Commentary for the week of May 6th, 2013. I'm your host, Jim Collison, broadcasting live from the AverageGuy.tv studios here in Bellevue, Nebraska. And we post the show, including the written commentary, each week out at the AverageGuy.tv. Financial Tech brings you the latest market commentary from the award-winning Andrew Hunt, CFP and president of Guide Rock Capital Management, located right here in beautiful Omaha, Nebraska. If you'd like to receive a copy, a free written, uh, a free copy of the written commentary in advance, send us an email, Andrew underscore Hunt at GuideRockCapital.com and put subscribe in the subject line. And if you have questions or comments for Andrew that uh, we can read or answer on the show, also send him an email, just Andrew underscore Hunt at GuideRockCapital.com. And of course, you can find us both on Twitter. Andrew is at Andrew D. Hunt. And of course, I am just Jay Collison. Andrew, great to see you this week. You are looking good in the live stream. It's good to have you home. <laughs> good not, to be home. Not broadcasting from afar. What do you got for us today? Yeah, glad to be home. I was uh, in San Diego last week, Chicago the week before that. We broadcasted from D.C. a couple weeks before that, so uh, not normal for me. I've been kind of all over God's great creation lately, but that's good. That's good. So what have the markets been up to? Well, they've been testing their limits. So if unless you live under a rock, it's probably hard to not hear about this, but the S&P 500 and the Dow Jones Industrials both set new all-time highs last week. The S&P closed above 1,600 uh, for the first time ever. The Dow Jones climbed above the 15,000 mark um, on Friday before then closing lower. Um, we had strong corporate earnings, gains in the housing market, and good news from Europe that all drove last week's performance stronger. The corporate earnings season, which is the period when companies uh, start telling their shareholders how well the company performed for the previous quarter, is almost over. 72% of the companies in the S&P 500 uh, have beaten the expectations of analysts out there. According to MarketWatch and FactSet, since 1994, on average, only about 63% of companies have beaten expectations. So we're above that average for this quarter, which is really, really interesting. Housing market news was largely positive last week. Uh, S&P and the Case-Shiller 20 City Index of Home Prices was up 9.3% year over year through February, which is the largest gain in almost seven years. That's pretty awesome. Generally, cities that had seen the biggest price declines during the housing crisis, excuse me, uh, of course, were the ones that had the biggest gains. It's, a, it's pretty easy to have a big gain when you're coming back from a huge loss. Um, and those include Phoenix, Las Vegas, um, and Atlanta. So some of those cities that were really crushed during the market. Cities experiencing strong job growth, such as San Francisco, Seattle, and Dallas, also showed really significant price gains as well. Uh, we've been talking about the European debt crisis here a lot. Uh, I've referenced it several times. Uh, one of those countries that's affected by that has been Italy, and they finally resolved their uh, political gridlock last week and formed a government, believe it or not. It took a minute, but uh, they did it, and it's extremely diverse. Uh, there's a record number of women as well as Italy's first non-white minister, which is pretty interesting. On Sunday, April 28th, the new cabinet was sworn in, and on Monday, the Italy's index, which reflects performance of the Italian stock market and, and other U.S. stock markets, moved higher uh, on, on good news. So 
pretty pretty good stuff going on out there. So I'm thinking I've been thinking a lot, and you know, you guys who have who know me a little bit know that I think a lot about happiness, well-being, this kind of impasse be between behavioral finance and investment performance. And so one of the things I wanted to talk a little bit about today was the question of does money buy happiness, or doesn't it? Uh, many years ago, uh, Richard Easterlin, who's a professor of e economics at USC, uh, University of Southern California, he studied the relationship between happiness and money. And he found that over shorter periods of time, happiness and income tend to move in tandem. So it's kind of interesting. Happiness tends to fall in economic contractions and rise in expansions. All right. Over longer periods of time, though, he found that satisfaction with life happiness, <laughs> had little relationship to the rates of economic growth, i.e. people having more money. So the conclusion was that once people have enough money to meet basic needs, they are as happy as they're going to be. So there was a recent paper from the National Bureau of Economic Research, which was written by Betsy Stevenson and Justin Wolfers from the University of Michigan, great school. They, they wrote a paper that appears to cast doubt on this former happiness income paradox from Easterlin. They relied on data from our own Gallup poll, which uh, asked people throughout the world how much they earned and on which rung of happiness ladder they were perched. Well, everyone, it's kind of interesting. So people in some countries appeared to be happier than people in other countries. However, everyone, no matter how much they had, was happier when they made more. I'm going to repeat that. So it didn't matter where you were in the, in the world, no matter how much you had, you're, they were always happier when they had more. It's pretty interesting. So does more money translate to more happiness or does it not? What's the takeaway here? Well, it probably comes down to what your definition of happiness is. After all, well-being is extremely subjective. There's a Princeton professor of psychology and public affairs, Daniel Kahneman, and a professor of economics and international affairs, Angus Deaton, pointed out in a 2012 paper that they, they evaluated two measures of happiness, life evaluation, which is satisfaction with your, with your place in the world, and emotional well-being, which is day-to-day -day happiness. And they found that life evaluation increases steadily with income, while day-to-day -day happiness maxes out at an annual income of about $75,000 a year. They concluded high income buys life satisfaction, but not happiness. Take that, guys. This is really interesting. High income buys life satisfaction, but not happiness. And low income is associated with both low life evaluation and low emotional well-being. Really, really interesting. I want you guys to marinate on that this week. Pretty, pretty interesting stuff. So here's the, here's the quote of the week. Um, this is from Spike Milligan, a British comedian. He says, all I ask is the chance to prove that money can't make me happy. That's a nice quote, right? Bring it in. It's like, <laughs> hey, give me a whole bunch, and uh, let's let's see if I'm not happy. Well, we've been asking, Andrew, we've been asking the listeners for a while, send in their comments to have them read. And one of my one of uh, one of the guys that we work with uh, there, South Ops on the floor at Gallup. So he wrote in Amish, and uh, he wrote in. He said, at present, given the historical low interest rates, investors who choose to buy long term federal slash municipal bonds face tremendous risk down the road given that the likelihood of higher interest rates and inflation such as is it advisable for those who need to buy such bonds buy them only for the short term that's a great question I'm gonna go I'm gonna go into teacher mode here a little bit and uh, and since uh, <laughs> since that's kind of my mo 
Let me make it clear. He mentioned tre U.S. Treasuries and municipal bonds are risky the longer you go. I'm going to go a step further and say that all bonds are riskier the longer out the term of the bond is. So a bond is just a contract, guys. Um, if you come to one of my classes, you'd learn more about about bonds. But simply, simply put this way, Jim, um, if you were to come to me for a 30-day loan, I would say, well, geez, Jim, you're, you're a pretty reasonable guy. A 30-day loan is not all that long. Um, that's not that risky. I'll make you the loan. If you were to come to me and ask for a 30-year loan, I would say, well, geez, you know, you're a risky guy, and anything could happen in 30 years. So that loan is much more risky. Um, so in order for me to make that loan to you, I'm going to have to charge you a higher rate of interest uh, to get some return uh, for that risk I'm taking on. A bond is a loan contract, just like what I just that example I just used. And so bonds are most risky when they have long time horizons and when interest rates are very very low um, and there's a calculation that we do called Macaulay duration uh, which calculates the risk associated with a bond um, and its maturity date and the low interest rate that takes uh, the, the, that comes into play there as well and that's one way to evaluate a bond so I would tell you yes long-term bonds bonds that are you know 30 years long 20 years long these types of long bonds are very very risky today and what I would encourage investors out there is that you know the first thing we always want to evaluate when we're evaluating any investment is where's the risk coming from what could you end up slapping me upside the head and giving me a spanking when I'm when I'm not looking and so you need to understand that the risk lies in low interest rates and long terms so if you have to have a fixed income investment you might consider evaluating uh, a bond that is a shorter time horizon or more of an intermediate time horizon. It's not going to pay as much because it's not as risky, right? Risk, return, they go together. Um, but and over the, the the risk associated with that particular investment is going to be much lower than a long-term investment. Um, well, yeah, just as a reminder here on this show, we don't give investment advice. Right. So uh, it's going to be germane to your personal risk tolerance and your investment objective. Um, but when we're evaluating uh, bonds specifically, it could be treasuries, could be munis, could be corporates, could be agencies, they, the risk lies when you get a long-term uh, maturity date out there and a low interest rate. So right. uh, if you have to have them, short-term is, uh, is the safer, less risky place to be. And, and Andrew, what is a situation when you have to have those? I mean, what do you see... What What's the situations where people have to have those kinds of fixed income investments? Question: uh, When you're trying to protect your you know, the the principal, uh, the money that you just absolutely can't lose. Um, so this would be retiree situations or those who have very low risk tolerance. Uh, we do a lot with our institutional investors and in in, uh, you know big uh, businesses and things like this who don't want to lose their principal. So th those would be examples of some of those uh, people that you know, have to quote unquote, uh, have short term investments. Okay. Very good. Well, Amish, thanks for sending that in. I finally got it read. It's been sitting in the email box for a couple of weeks. We just based on the uh, Andrew's travels and such, we just didn't have enough time to read it. But if you would like to get your question answered uh, on the, on the show, just send the email to, uh, you can send it to me podcast at the average TV or over to Andrew. That's just Andrew underscore hunt at guide rock capital.com and we'll read that and get that answered and I'll make sure I don't ask questions that leads Andrew into giving advice as we do that <laughs> going, going forward and I'll let folks know that if you're new to podcasting and you're looking for an easy way to listen each week this is some advice that I can give you you might want to consider using Stitcher available on any browser uh, as well as both on the Android and iPhone platforms it's a great way to listen to the podcast both at home and on the road and I've really Andrew I've really been encouraging people to try and get podcasting into the car it's a great time you're not doing anything else but driving 
get that phone. And when you're in, it's all it's audio only. You can't watch video, so it's perfectly safe, hands free, uh, and you can listen to it. Uh, most cars have Bluetooth or an aux in. You can listen to the show on Stitcher each week. It automatically gets there if you subscribe to Financial Tech. Just go to Stitcher.com, search Financial Tech, and I say it's education for your ears. And be sure to visit Guide Rock Capital at guiderockcapital.com. Easy to remember and follow Andrew on Twitter, just Andrew D. Hunt, and get all the show notes uh, for this show. It's available out at theaverageguy.tv. Now, Andrew and I say thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week. Remember, be smart about your investing. GuideRock Capital Management, Inc., or GuideRock, is a registered investment advisor that is registered with the state of Nebraska and located in Omaha, Nebraska. GuideRock and its representatives are in compliance with the current registration requirements imposed upon investment advisors in the states in which they maintain clients. GuideRock may only transact business in those states in which it is registered or qualifies for an exemption or exclusion from registration requirements. Important information describing GuideRock's business operations, services, and fees can be viewed on the SEC's website at www.advisorinfo.sec.gov. GuideRock will provide Form ADV Part 2, which serves as the firm's disclosure document to all clients. Copies of Form ADV Part 2 are also available to interested parties upon request. All investment strategies have the potential for profit or loss. Past performance is not indicative of future results. No current or prospective clients should assume that the future performance of any specific investment, investment strategy, or product made reference to directly or indirectly on this video, website, or indirectly via hyperlink or any affiliated third-party website will be profitable or equal to past performance levels.